Good morning, Redemption. My name is Josh Butler. I'm one of your pastors. Um, We roll out the red carpet to welcome royalty. We don't have a king or a monarchy here in America, but our modern-day royalty are pop culture stars, right? Uh, Next month is the Oscars, where we will roll out the red carpet for movie stars, musicians, YouTube influencers, people like Ricky Thompson and Lily James and Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. And there's a sense of these are people that we as a culture look up to, that we esteem, we kind of think highly of. We treat celebrity like royalty. The limo pulls up. The red carpet is there to greet them so their feet don't have to touch the ground. It says, hey, we want to welcome as a society this person in style. Now, you and I, we can do the red carpet treatment in different ways as well for friends and such, right? Like yesterday, we had some old friends in town, people that Holly and I have known for like 20 years, more than 20 years, who played a significant role in our life. They were visiting, so we wanted to welcome them in style. We wanted to give them the red carpet treatment, so to speak. And so we made reservations at the you know, nicest restaurant we love going to in town. We kind of tidied up the house and got the place all ready. We went all in on dessert with like a bunch of just the best kind of dessert for afterwards because we wanted to welcome them in style. Now, This phrase, we roll out the red carpet to welcome someone in style. And today, this morning, we want to look at how to roll out the red carpet for the arrival of God as king, to welcome God in style. And so we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40. If you have your Bible with you, you want to turn and open to Isaiah chapter 40. And I want to ask, you know, if you knew that God was coming to your home, he was coming to pay you a visit. If we knew here at Redemption Tempe at our church that King Jesus was coming. He was about to arrive. How would we roll out the red carpet? How would we prepare the way to welcome his arrival as king? Well, today Isaiah is going to show us how to do that. Now, we're starting a new series today uh, in the book of Isaiah called The Servant King. So for the next few months, we're going to be in Isaiah chapters 40 to 55, all the way up until Easter. And Isaiah 40, 55 is beautiful. It's this epic, beautiful poem. And it begins on like the greatness and the glory of God. And it concludes with the pinnacle of that greatness, which is the suffering, sacrificial death of the suffering servant. Ultimately, this book points us to Jesus King. So I'm excited as we move towards Good Friday and Easter, towards the cross and resurrection in the church calendar, we want to be preparing our hearts with the greatness of God who humbled himself in Christ to give his life for us as our King. And today, Isaiah 40, the prophet tells the people, we're told, hey, God is returning as King. So get ready, roll out the red carpet, prepare the way, prepare to welcome him in style. The title for today's message is roll out the red. Let's jump in and see how we can welcome God in his arrival as our king. All right, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, we read, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Now this this poem, this section of scripture is often called the book of comfort. God is comforting his people who have been in exile for a long time in a distant land in captivity. And so the prophet says, comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So all that's a fancy way of saying the exile is about to end. God is coming back. 
Verse 3 reads, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, of Yahweh. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We see here that we are called to roll out the red carpet to welcome God as king. Isaiah calls Israel to roll out the red carpet. He says, prepare the way. God is coming, and so prepare an extravagant welcome. Isaiah tells the people to make a highway in the desert here in verse 3, which is crazy back then. He's saying, hey, build the 101 in the Phoenix Valley, right? And they don't yet have bulldozers and such. And so how are you going to make this highway in the desert? Well, he says, you got to level the mountains and you got to lift up the valleys. And back then you're going, man, how are we going to do that? That's pretty crazy, especially in an age before modern construction equipment, right? So I had this buddy who used to always say, uh, whenever we hit kind of obstacles would come, he'd say, people build bridges, was kind of his phrase, right? And what he meant was, well, hey, this seems tough, but if we put in the hard work, people build bridges, people do amazing big things. And I was always like, yeah, people build bridges, people with like billions of dollars and hundred person worker crews and man, engineering degrees, right? That's, that's not us, right? And so I'm thinking if you're Isaiah's audience and you're hearing, hey, level the mountains, raise up the valleys, make this highway in the desert, they'd be going, well, how, how are we going to do that? And it's helpful to recognize this imagery is a metaphor in Scripture for humbling the proud and exalting the humble, right? This imagery is used to talk about humbling the proud, like the mountains, those who think so highly of themselves, those mountains and hills being brought low, and exalting the humble, like lifting up the valleys. We actually find this is a common theme in Scripture when God is on the move and his people are getting ready. So Hannah in 1 Samuel 2 rejoices that God is a God who brings down princes and he lifts up the needy. Mary in Luke 1, anticipating the coming of Jesus, now she says that God's a God who brought down the rulers and who lifts up the humble. Jesus is constantly saying things like the last will be first and the first to be last. The one who exalts himself will be humble and he who ever humbles himself will be exalted. This is a big theme and Isaiah is saying the way you roll out the red carpet for God is by humbling the proud and lifting up the humble. It's kind of like you're pushing down, you're hammering down the, the, the divots, or I'm sorry, the uh, lumps in the red carpet, right? You're kind of pushing down the lumps in the red carpet and you're pulling up the divots. You're elevating them to make a level path, a straight way to receive the incoming of God. Now we do that because that's the kind of king God is. That's the kind of king that we're welcoming As we prepare for his arrival, he is a God who exalts the humble and humbles the exalted. Uh, If we read in verses 9, Isaiah picks up this thing more, and he talks about this as something of who God is and what God does. He says in verse 9, Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. And so the picture here is like the herald, the one who's bringing the good news, is running up to the top of the watchtower on the outskirts of the city, and they're looking out on the horizon into the wilderness. And he says, Go on up to that mountain, O herald, of good news of this gospel, and lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not, And what's he supposed to say? We're supposed to shout and say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. He's going, man, look out and prepare the good news. God is coming, his arrival as king. He says, behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. 
The picture there is God is mighty. He's powerful to take down the proud of Babylon, to redeem his people, to take out the oppressor, the one who is uh, keeping their kind of the boot upon their neck. He's powerful. He says, behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And he goes on here in verse 11. He says, not only will he bring down the proud with his might, but also he will bring, lift up the humble. Verse 11 says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So God is a God who lifts up the humble, who carry, cares for his people and carries them like a shepherd carrying the lamb, the sheep in his arms. And so we prepare the way for this God by doing the kind of things that God does, being a people who are humbled of our pride and who lift up those who are humble and in lowly estate. It's the extravagant way we want to welcome God as king. And it's interesting, the origin of the red carpet was to prepare the way for the arrival of a king. This was an ancient custom in the Near East. In the ancient world, the first appearance actually comes from Agamemnon. It's a Greek play that was written by the poet Aeschylus in 458 BC. And the context in the play, King Agamemnon is returning from this victory, this uh, massive victory, and he's coming back victorious from battle. And the people are wondering, how are we going to welcome him back as our victorious king? And they decide to roll out this red carpet. And this is the quote from the play. It says, now my beloved, this is the people talking to the king, say, now our beloved king, step down from your chariot and let not your foot, my lord, touch the earth. They're saying, man, we don't want your foot even to have to touch the ground, the dust of the earth, because we honor you so much. And so servants, let there be spread before the house. This is before the home. They're welcoming him back into his home with his people. Let them spread before the house something he never expected to see. This is so extravagant. This is so crazy. He would not have expected to see this. A crimson path. The crimson path of red. You see, red was extremely expensive dye. It was very rare back in the day. And so this was like a picture of extravagance, that their people are laying out this extravagant welcome to welcome the arrival of their king. They're saying, how can we welcome our victorious king? How can we go all out? What can we do to show our affection and appreciation? And that's what Isaiah is saying. He's calling us as the people. He's saying, go all out, like build a highway in the desert, take down the mountains, lift up the valleys in order to welcome the arrival of God as king. You and I, we are called to roll out the red carpet for the return of Jesus, our victorious king. Now, you and I, we don't live in the 5th century BC, but we do live in Babylon, right? We live in a culture, uh, in a society, in a time and place where God is often not acknowledged as God. We live in a world where things are not the way they should be, and we experience the ravages of the fall and kind of our world's distance and alienation from God. And I know that many of you have had things taken in exile. You have had things taken from you that like those families whose homes were destroyed, some of you have felt the pain of divorce or a spouse who walked away and it felt like a grenade has gone off in your family and you're feeling the ravages of the aftermath. Some of you, like those who were carried off in chains, you're feeling the chains of addiction where you keep trying to break free, but it just seems too hard and the hold too strong for you to break free of yourself. For some of you, God feels distant, like those whose temple was destroyed. And you kind of go, man, the presence of God doesn't feel intimate and close like it used to be. I feel like I'm 
far off and where do we go? What do we do? And yet Isaiah says a voice that speaks comfort, comfort my people. That God comes this morning through Isaiah to speak comfort to you and I as God's people. And God is saying here that I know that your home may feel in ruins, but I know a father who is able to rebuild your home in life with him, right? He's able to rebuild a place of intimacy and life together in communion with him that can restore that, that sense of intimacy and connectedness that's been lost. For those of you who this morning find yourselves in the chains of addiction, I'm here to tell you that we serve and we anticipate, we await the arrival of a greater king who is powerful to break chains, who is victorious and has won the victory. For those of you this morning who feel like God is distant, like the temple has been destroyed, we're here this morning to celebrate that we have a new and a greater temple, a living temple who was torn down and in three days was built up again that we come this morning gathered around Christ as the temple of God and being built up as Christ, a place where he delights to dwell in you and in us together by his spirit. And so we come this morning to welcome the arrival of Jesus, our victorious king. And the invitation is that we would roll out the red carpet for him in light of his victory, in light of his goodness, in light of his greatness, in light of who he is and what he's been for you and for I and for us, that we would go all out like extravagant and that we would say, let not my beloved, let his foot not even have to touch the ground, right? Like, would we prepare the way for the arrival of God as king, saying we want to go all out and welcome in you because God, you have gone all out to welcome us. We want to build him a highway in the desert because he's returning victorious. Now, how do we do this? How do we humble the proud and exalt the humble? How do we kind of push down the lumps and how do we lift up and elevate the divots? Well, Isaiah's going to show us, and I want to spend the rest of this message looking at both of those, how we exalt, how we exalt the humble, how we humble the proud. And let's start verse 21, where Isaiah is first going to show us here how to humble the proud and even to humble us in our own pride. So verse 21, we read, do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he, it is God, who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. We're tiny, like grasshoppers before him. It's he who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. God's going camping, and the earth is his campground, right? He's spreading the sky like a tent to dwell in. And it's he who brings princes to nothing, and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when God blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. God can humble the proud. See here, we roll out the red carpet by recognizing that God is a greater king. God is a greater king who is able to humble the proud. Uh, Isaiah calls Israel to recognize 
God as a greater king. He says here that God brings princes to naught, that he reduces rulers to nothing in verse 23. That Isaiah's going, man, the proud and mighty, like they're not all that, right? Like Babylon, it looks so powerful, they're actually grasshoppers, right? Like they are grasshoppers before the God of the universe. The picture here is like the violent warlords of the world who feel like they've got everyone under the thumb. God is going, actually, they're under my thumb. I'm bigger, and in time, they're going to get their due. So God is greater than the proud, Isaiah is saying. In verse 22, it says, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. God stretched out. I love that picture. He's stretching out the heavens, like making a tent for himself to dwell in. Listen, God is so much bigger than the bad guys you're afraid of. He is bigger. There's a comfort here. You don't need to be afraid anymore because God is bigger and he's arising on your behalf. God only needs to blow them down. He says uh, here in verse 24 that he blows on them and they wither. The, the tempest carries them off like stubble. God saying, man, Babylon, like I'll huff and puff and I'll blow your house down. Right? Like he's saying, God is big enough to blow down Babylon. And when you're facing an obstacle that seems overwhelming, the invitation is to look up, to recognize that our God is bigger than whatever we may be facing. Well, I'm not a prince, you might be saying. Like, I'm not a ruler, so I don't know that applies to me. I got nothing to worry about. But lest we think this is just for the kind of bigwigs out there, this is for all of us. Take a look at verse 6 uh, above where he uses the same imagery to talk about all of us. It says, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. So now he's not just talking about the world's rulers. He's talking about all of us. All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass, what happens to the grass? Where does it go? The grass withers, he says. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people... It's all of us, all the people. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But is there anything that can stand eternal? Yes, he says, but the word of our God will stand forever. He's saying that all people, you and I, we are like grass. Our glory is fading. What happens to the grass? The grass withers. I've been looking in the mirror lately, and I've seen a lot more gray coming in. I'm like, man, my grass is withering, right? <laughs> and the flower, it fades. You know, my son James, recently we got some flowers for mom. Well, his mom, my wife, you know, make that connection. You know, but, <laughs> but for his mom, and the flowers started fading, you know, like after a few days, they were starting to wither. And he was like, Dad, what's wrong? Do we do something wrong? Do we need to put up more water? And I'm like, no, dude, that's just what, what happens. Like, the flowers are beautiful, but that beauty over time, it fades. And Isaiah is pointing to that. And he's saying, that's like us. Like, your flesh is grass. Your beauty is fading. It's there, but it's on its way out. And when you get too big for your britches, that will humble you. When you recognize, like, I'm fading. God has gifted us with life, but there's an expiration date. And you can find yourself going, well, man, is there anything I can bank my life on that is going to last? And Isaiah says, yes. He says, it's the word of the Lord that stands forever. That the grass may wither and the flowers fade, but God's word will stand forever. And 
I think this raises the question, what are you building your life on? Right? What are you putting your trust in and banking your hope on? Is it your flesh? Is it your own strength? Is it what you have in and of yourself? Because Isaiah's going, that is not going to last. That is on its way out. Isaiah's like, sorry, man, but that thing is fading, right? But he says there is something you can build your life on. You can build your life on God and his word, and it will not fail you. You can put your hope in what he says, and it will sustain you because it is eternal. Isaiah's invitation here is for all of us from princes to paupers alike, that we would recognize that God is a greater king. Now, did you know that King Agamemnon, it was interesting, actually, in the play, uh, he was actually afraid at first. He was hesitant to put his foot on the red carpet because, you see, in the ancient world, red was considered a divine color. It was considered a divine color. Uh, it, the color was red. It was reserved for greatness, even divine greatness originally. And again, this is because red dyes were expensive back then. They were really rare, really expensive. In fact, it wasn't until modern times, I found this really fascinating sidebar, they found this beetle, and they found that in the Americas, and they found, man, if they crushed this beetle, they could get red stuff from it. So they started harvesting these beetles in mass to make red dye to make it more affordable and less expensive. But prior to that time in the ancient world, red dye was extremely rare, was extremely expensive, and so it was considered a divine color. As one scholar put it on this uh, play, he says, even though the king, Agamemnon, even though he was about as triumphant as a mortal man can get at that moment, he was still very concerned to step on this crimson path because it was reserved for the divine only. The king is saying, man, I, I may be kind of great, but I'm not all that, right? Like, I'm not divine. And later, as history went on, uh, red was still reserved for greatness, kind of associated with the divine. And so in the Middle Ages, uh, medieval times, the Pope reserved the color red. Only cardinals could wear it. It was reserved for the highest authorities in the church as a sign of them representing God to his people. Later, politicians started trying to get on it, began incorporating red into their wardrobe as a sign of their high status. Uh, but today, I think the reality is we don't necessarily look to popes and politicians for greatness again. We look to celebrities. Hollywood stars are our new royalty. We look up to pop culture icons, musicians, movie stars, sports stars. These are the kings and queens of our day. Uh, interestingly, even Harry and Meghan, right? Like they left literal royalty. They left royalty, like literally, in order to become pop culture stars, right? And arguably got the better end of the deal. <laughs> like they traded the crown for a TV show and a book deal with some pretty wild royalties, right? And arguably a better royalty. And we adore, we lift up, and we model and image our lives after such stars. Uh, the celebrities are still, metaphorically at least, being dressed in red today. It was interesting. There's a fascinating BBC podcast called The New Gurus with uh, Helen Lewis, and um, she interviews leading like internet influencers and people like that, and she calls them the new gurus. And uh, it was fascinating. This week, I heard she was interviewed, uh, and she was asked, as you're interviewing all these internet influencers, she was asked, do you see the rise of the online guru as a kind of substitute for organized religion? Are people trying to fill what Durkheim called the God-shaped hole in their hearts? And Helen Lewis, the producer of this BBC podcast, she says, maybe not even a God-shaped hole, but I would say a worship-shaped hole, right? She was saying... We are clothing them in red, so to speak, right? Whoa, do you, 
Do you hear what she's saying? She's saying, we are rolling out the red carpet for this new royalty because there is a worship-shaped hole in our heart that we are looking to fill. Now, I love pop culture, so I'm not saying to avoid it, but I do want to ask this morning, where is your worship, right? Who are you looking to and modeling your life after? Are you looking more to influencers than Emmanuel, God with us? Are you looking more to to movie stars than your maker, right? Are you looking more to musicians than God, the, the, the reality of God in the flesh with us, the king above all kings? Do you recognize that God is a greater king? Isaiah is saying, yeah, the, the people, they may have some measure of greatness, that's good, but it's fading. And do you recognize that God is a greater king? Because that is what humbles the proud. It humbles you when you recognize how much greater and bigger God is. Isaiah would remind us that it's okay to enjoy, you know, but uh, pop culture, but many of these celebrities, that their flesh is grass. They are fading, right? Timothy Chalamet, he's going to blow over. He almost looks like he could blow over right now, right? <laughs> but he's going to blow over. Like Lily James, one day she's going to be hunched over and withered. Your grandkids are going to be like, Zendaya? Like, who that? Who that is, right? Like, like many of the things that we look up to and adore and kind of model our lives on and roll out the red carpet for today, Isaiah's going, yeah, that's something, but it's relative to God and his greatness. It ain't much. And so the invitation is that you and I, that we would recognize God as a greater king. That's how we roll out the carpet. We prepare the way is by looking to God as our greater king. For celebrities, that's not to say that they're bad, but they're not God. And we should not look to them to fill those places. And we should model our lives seeking to image God. That's the biggest divine, that's the biggest vocation that God has given you is to image and reflect him well into the world. That means modeling your life, imaging your life on God, our greater king. And I worry that for some of us, and this can be my temptation, is that, man, for some of us, our God is not celebrities, it's ourself, right? And that we can actually exalt and get puffed up and thinking that we're all that. And it's humbling when you recognize how fleeting you are. It's humbling when you recognize how fleeting you are and how big God is. I was struck this week going, man, I'm a grasshopper. (laughs) Before the immensity of God, you and I are grasshoppers, Isaiah. And he floods and fills the earth. He's overseeing the whole thing. And here's the beauty. As it's been said, humility, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And so the solution is not to go, ah, oh, I'm so horrible, I have nothing good. Whatever. The solution is to get your eyes off yourself, for us to look up to God and orient and order our lives around him as our greater king. He is a greater king. He is a greater authority in your life than you being your own authority for yourself. He actually brings you a greater identity that you receive from him than one you can craft and create for yourself. The invitation is, this is saying this is what humbles our pride is when we recognize that God is a greater king. This is what will push down the lumps in your soul, right? Like the lumpy elevated hills and mountains of ways that we tend to exalt and think too high of ourselves and get too puffed up. When you recognize God as a greater king, this is what humbles you. 
what makes the, the highway level, makes the ground level to prepare the way for the arrival of God as king. All right, well, what about lifting up the humble? We've seen how recognizing God as a greater king it humbles the proud, but what about lifting up the humble? What about raising up the valleys? Let's look at verse 27, where Isaiah goes on to speak of this. Verse 27 we read, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. And why are you saying, the people are, are saying, like, I'm too lowly, I'm too tired, I'm too weary, and God doesn't see my condition, he doesn't see me, and God's going, why are you saying that I don't see you? Why are you saying that your estate is disregarded? He goes on, he says, verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, his understanding is unsearchable. What does God do with that everlasting strength? It says, verse 29, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall be exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We roll out the red carpet for God by placing our hope in his uplifting kingdom. By placing our hope in his uplifting kingdom. Isaiah here, he calls Israel to place their hope in God's uplifting kingdom. So this is a God who renews the faint and refreshes the weary. This is good news for the humble, those who are tired, those who feel like you're out of strength. This is good news because we have a God who lifts up the weary, who elevates the tired. It says uh, here that in verse 31, he will mount them up with wings like eagles. And it talks about his breath here. And it, it struck me that the same breath that blows down the proud also lifts up the humble. Right? The same breath of God that's able to blow down the proud is also the same breath that lifts up the humble, like wind beneath their wings, the wings of an eagle. And I wonder, have you ever felt the Spirit of God uplift you? in a season when you were down and out and you looked to him and you experienced that uplifting power of his presence with you. What God is saying here, he is saying, look to me in your exhaustion. Look to me in your tiredness. Look to me when you feel you have no strength left of your own. God's saying, my breath, for for the humble, it won't blow you down like grass. It will lift you up like an eagle. Because I'm the same God who levels mountains. I'm the same God who can raise up valleys and can make your places level again. I believe some of us this morning are tired, weak, and weary, and Isaiah would invite you to place your hope in his uplifting kingdom. And I wonder how many of us are tired this morning. Verse 30, Isaiah says, it's going to happen to all of us. He says, even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Oh, man, even Paul Dedewa, I don't know if you're here in this service or not, man, but dude, even when you're on your marathon, man, like he, he, he goes out strong, but he comes back tired and exhausted, right? Even Andy Carrillo and the Bounding Moose in our, our running group here, like I've seen them 
go out strong. But when they're on that 26th lap coming around, they're, they're exhausted. And what Isaiah is saying here, man, I don't care how good your lungs are, you're going to get winded in life. You can go far. Maybe you can go far. But we're all going to hit our stretching point, And yet God isn't like that. He's saying God doesn't run out of breath. He says, verse 28, he does not faint or grow weary. He's saying God can do 10 marathons and he's not even breaking a sweat. Right? And so when we are tired, we're invited to look to him and rely on his strength. In verse 31, he says that those who do, those who hope in the Lord, those who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So when you place your hope in God and you look to his uplifting, he can lift you up. He can renew you and restore you. I love this invitation from Jesus where Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. He's echoing, this is the God of Isaiah in the flesh saying, come to me, you who are weary, who are tired, who are burned out, who are exhausted, who are heavy laden, where it feels like life has humbled you and you feel like you've got nothing left. Jesus says, come to me and take my yoke upon you because my yoke, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Jesus is saying there is he's not saying that your burden isn't heavy but he's saying it's about his strength with you. Having his strength come up underneath you and alongside you to carry the weight with you. And Jesus delights to uplift us as our people. It's, his is an uplifting kingdom and he is our uplifting king. God's kingdom is an uplifting kingdom. You know, interestingly, the phrase, the red carpet treatment, you heard that phrase, right? Like that phrase actually was uh, for those who couldn't afford it. Uh, the phrase actually began with a train station in the 1920s, talking about this treatment, this red carpet treatment. The, uh, uh, it was the iconic 20th century limited express train. Ran from New York to Chicago faster than any trains prior had been able to, and it was advertised as a means of class and royalty, as a measure of, man, you're going to get the royal treatment here. And so they were wondering, how are we going to communicate that we want to give the everyday person, royal treatment. Well, they rolled out the red carpet in Grand Central Station. So this is a picture of Joe Lewis and his wife after he had uh, won a victory and was preparing to go back home and get on the train at Grand Central Station. And, uh, and this, their advertising was showing photos like this and adding like, hey, we're bringing the red carpet treatment to everyone, right? And this brought this phrase to the vernacular. Once aboard, passengers enjoyed luxurious treatment who otherwise couldn't afford it because the company, the train, they wanted it to be an uplifting experience, uplift others. Now, the red carpet image, it kept its kind of special occasion cachet, but it became more democratic and accessible to the masses. Lifting up middle and lower classes, the red carpet was to kind of uplift the humble as an image. The beauty of the gospel is that that's what God does for you that he is a God who uplifts the humble. God is like the 20th century limited express who has rolled out the red carpet for us as his people. And he treats you like royalty, even when you couldn't afford it, even when you didn't deserve it. Jesus invites you into life with him so that you can rule and reign together with him as a part of his kingdom. He's not only the God who brings down the proud, he's a God who lifts up the humble and makes them co-rulers with him to be 
ambassadors, representatives of his kingdom. Jesus is a king who lifts up the humble and treats them like royalty. And this is how we welcome the uplifting king today. It's by being an uplifting people. We not only have our pride humble, but we come up people who uplift one another, who encourage one another in Christ, who lift each other up when we stumble, and who exalt and care for and elevate the humble. And I wonder this morning, who can you encourage today? Is there anyone that you know who's going through a hard time? I want to invite you right now. I'm going to give you permission if you want to pull out your phone and text. Now, normally I wouldn't say that, but this morning, if you have someone the Spirit is putting on your heart that you know they've been going through it, you know they're down and out right now, they've been feeling down, would you this week, today, like reach out and encourage them, call them, get together with them, connect with them, that we would have a mindset of how do we actually lift up the humble? How might we give the red carpet treatment to those where it's unexpected? Is there a way you could go all out and kind of shock and surprise someone with extravagant generosity? I have been shocked and amazed by the extravagant generosity of so many of you, of of you all as a congregation, the ways that you lift up and care for one another. And what I want to say this morning is that when you do that, you're not just being nice, you're actually embodying God's uplifting kingdom, right? When we go all out, when we, so to speak, roll out the red carpet for one another, that's a way of becoming the kind of people who are welcoming the arrival of our king. That's building the highway in the desert. That's not only leveling the mountains, that's lifting up the valleys. It's making the plain flat to prepare the way as a people who are anticipating the arrival of Jesus, our uplifting king. We want to be a, an uplifting people who lift up one another, especially those who are down and out and hurting. I want to invite you this morning to roll out the red, right? to roll out the red carpet for God. So on the one hand, Jesus is here. His presence is with us by his spirit. But on the other hand, we are awaiting the return, the arrival of our victorious king. And the invitation this morning is to go, how do you and I prepare the way for Jesus' arrival? How do we make that highway in the desert? How do we prepare this extravagant welcome to welcome Christ as king? And it's not only that we you know, kind of, you know, lower the proud and lift up the humble out there. It's also within our own lives, our own souls. And I want to ask this morning, are there areas in your life, are there puffed up lumps in the carpet in your soul that need to be pushed down? Or are there elevated divots, like low places, areas that you're down that need to be lifted up? We want to bring those before God this morning. I want to invite you. uh, We are approaching the season of Lent in about two weeks, right? On Wednesday, February 22nd. Uh, We actually have a renewal night that night to kick it off. And so you're invited to that in about two weeks. But as we approach the season of Lent, this is a good time to begin to ask the question, God, I want to prepare the way for you in my life, in my own soul, in my life, to prepare the way for Christ. And historically, this season of the church, the Lent season is a time of fasting, of uh, whether from food or from other things. We'll talk about that more in weeks to come. But uh, considering, man, is there something I want to give up where I can feel the need for Jesus, where I can anticipate how hungry I am, a deeper hunger for his arrival. And as we prepare to enter 
that season, as we move towards Good Friday, Easter, the cross and resurrection, we're preparing the way to welcome Jesus as King. And I wanna invite you both today and as we prepare for that season to be asking, are there lumps in my carpet, right? Are there places that I've become proud that God, you wanna humble, you wanna bring down and make level again? The way that you do that is you begin recognizing that God is a greater king and looking to him rather than to yourself, him more than the celebrities, him more than the other stuff out there going, God, I wanna order my life around you. That is what will humble your pride. And for others of you this morning who are feeling tired and exhausted and weary and lowly, believe that God wants to lift you up. And you're invited to go, man, where are those places? And as we enter into this time of worship, I want to invite you to bring those before God in prayer. If you want someone to pray with you, there are people at the doors who would love to pray with you. But the invitation is to place your hope in Christ's uplifting kingdom. Because he is a God who does not get tired, who does not grow weary, and he delights to come up underneath that burden and carry it with you and give you his strength and even to lift you up on wings like eagles. So this morning, as we come to the table, we're invited to the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ. We are invited to the servant king who rolled out the red carpet for you. That we are called to, yes, prepare the way for him, but the reality is he has already prepared the way for you. That this color red has also been seen as a symbol in church history of sacrifice and martyrdom, rooted in Christ, laying down his life for us as his people. And that's how we're welcomed into home with God, life with God, and to return from the battle is to come this table, this path that he has laid out for us to enter communion with him. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, you're invited to this table. If you're not a follower of Jesus, man, we invite you to come talk with one of us. We'd love if you want to explore what that would look like. I'm here for you as pastors. We'd love to process that. I'm here for you. But this table is for those of you who are followers of Jesus, where you're going, man, Jesus, I'm in life with you, and I'm coming to you to receive life from you. Take the, I know you got to use your imagination, but take the red carpet. Imagine our carpet's black or blue or whatever. Pretend it's red, right? But to come before the path that he's laid out and hear the voice of Christ echoing his poem, let not the foot of my beloved, my bride, even have to touch the ground. Not going down into the earth, not going down into the grave, but actually to walk upon the sacrificial path that I have laid out to be united in life with me forever. You're invited to come to the servant king who has extravagantly welcomed you. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, you are a greater king, Lord. We want to roll out the red carpet, so to speak. We want to give you an extravagant welcome and welcome your arrival because we recognize, God, that you are greater than all other things that we might look to, God. You outshone the gods of the ancient world and you outshine the celebrities of our day, God. You outshine the gods that we would make of ourselves. We look to you and recognize, God, that you are a greater king. So pray this morning, Lord, that you would humble any areas where there is pride in our hearts, God, that we would become a people who prepare the way for you by modeling and ordering our lives around you above any other, God. That we would make all of our lives a testimony and a testament 
to all of you, Jesus, and who you are. And Jesus, we also thank you that we can place our hope in your uplifting kingdom. I prefer any this morning who are tired, who are weary, who are exhausted. Even now, guys, just invite, if that's you, I invite you under your breath to pray, uh, Jesus, I need you. Just the simple prayer, Jesus, I need you. And Lord, would you blow, the same God who blows down the proud, would you blow and lift up the humble, Lord, carrying them upon the wind of your spirit, God, like the wind beneath your wings. God, we thank you that as we want to prepare this extravagant welcome for you, God, we thank you that you have rolled out the red carpet for us in Christ. We are invited to the most extravagant, sacrificial, costly sacrifice offering that was made that we might boldly enter the throne room, that we might come before you as our greater king and enter communion, life, and home with you forever. Jesus, it's in your name and for your glory that we pray. Amen.